Uh, so this morning, we're, uh, as, as Joanne said, we're talking about vulnerability. And I know a little dirty secret about each and every one of you that is going to expose you and make you feel vulnerable. Are you ready? You all used to poop your pants every day. Pretty embarrassing if you ask me. Now don't worry, I'm in that same group, okay? I will raise my hand and say yes. At one point, I was completely helpless and vulnerable and not just in the bathroom department, okay? We all at one point were people that could do nothing but lay around and stare wherever our head happened to be pointing. I'm talking about when we were babies. As I was creating this, it became ever more disturbing. And I wasn't sure if I should include it or not. And seeing it now on the big screen, it has confirmed that it is in fact disturbing. So I will make you not look at it any longer. Anyway, hopefully you can watch that from your memory. Babies, babies can't eat, lift their heads, move. Thank you, Joe and Trina, for donating your faces. I don't know. I didn't sign any contracts for like using your likeness. Or anything. Hopefully, we can talk about the legal stuff later. So, uh, babies, they can't eat. They, they can't lift their heads. They can't move. They can't change their clothes, let alone protect themselves from any danger or threats. Babies are completely and utterly vulnerable. But they still have needs that need to be met, Right? And it's an interesting observation about babies is that they don't feel any shame for their condition. It's not like a baby's embarrassed that they don't have the dexterity to lift a spoon to their mouth, right? Babies are completely vulnerable, but they're not without shame. Or they're without shame, rather. They're vulnerable and they have no shame. And this idea of being vulnerable yet without shame really connects to our topic today of vulnerability. And the aspects of vulnerability I want to highlight this morning are transparency and trust and confidence and relationship. So we're going to start by reading some verses in Genesis, as we have done in this series. So if you want to go ahead and open up there. And we're going to be looking about how how vulnerability and shame are connected and uh, how things change from creation to where we are now and also who God created us to be in this respect. We're going to be in Genesis 2 to begin with, and we're going to read a section there, and then we're going to skip over to another section in Genesis chapter 3. We're going to go ahead and read both those passages. Starting in verse 18 of Genesis chapter 2. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone, which is interesting because that is the first time in creation that anything is not good okay so it's not good for man to be alone i will make him a helper suitable for him so god sees this problem and what does he do out of the ground the lord god formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them and whatever the man called a living creature that was its name the man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field but for adam there was 
not a helper suitable for him. So God created all these animals, and, and Adam looked through every single one, naming them. And at the end of it all, there isn't a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deeper sleep, a deep sleep to fall on the man, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. So essentially Adam goes under anesthetic. God does his creation process. All of a sudden there's a woman. And the man wakes up and he goes, okay, now this is bones of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, be called woman because she was taken out of man. And for this reason, and, and this is kind of a narrative on this, uh, before this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Okay. Now I just hold those, that passage in thought, and we're going to skip a few verses here in chapter 3, where Adam and Eve are tempted by the serpent. They end up eating the fruit from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. They sin. And then look at verse 8 in chapter 3. Then they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. This is after they sin. In the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called the man and said to him, Where are you? As if God didn't really know. But the man had a chance to answer. He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. Because I was naked, and so I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And then he said, The woman which you gave me. <laughs> She's the one. She's the one that made me eat. Okay, we're not going to spend too much on that. But let's make some observations here. Let's, I think from this we can capture an interesting view of God's creation. First of all, we see the very important truth that it's not good for man to be alone. People in general. It's not good for people to be alone. And when I say man, for the most part, I'm speaking generally of the human race. Just so you know. It's not good for people to be alone. God created us for relationship and very deep and intimate relationship. A relationship so deep, in fact, that two people become one flesh. Of course, Adam and Eve didn't physically fuse together or something creepily image like that. Okay, he's not talking about a physical becoming of one flesh. So we naturally conclude that the oneness that is spoken about here is a oneness of mind of spirit, of thought, and love, and unity, a binding of each other with an inseparable commitment. And that kind of relationship takes vulnerability and transparency. You can't connect deeply with someone unless you actually know them. And if you put up obstacles and barriers to hide behind, people can't actually know you. And that hinders relationship or even breaks relationship. A point that we will get to in a minute. A second observation I see is that this passage um, very clearly states that Adam needs a helper. Okay? Which has nothing to do with the one helping, but all to do with Adam being completely insufficient to do all the work and everything he needed to do by himself. Right? He could not be fulfilled by himself. He could not handle everything that God wanted him to do by himself. And God saw that this was not good. So God created another person, like Adam, but different, to work alongside him in the garden. It was a partnership. To love each other and to be with each other. 
And that takes vulnerability to admit that you need help. And it takes a loving person who you trust to offer sustaining and meaningful help. So it's vulnerability on both sides. Now, interestingly, you may find it surprising that the word helper and the word help in the Old Testament is not most often used of women. It's not most often used of priests or soldiers or slaves or any other kind of person. God, our creator, is the most often used, the word most often used for helper goes to our God. Look at this. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. And and the list goes on. It's quite a long list. And the idea of God being our helper logically means what? We need help. (laughs) Right? Which is maybe a harsh reality. And it takes some vulnerability to say, yeah, I'm incapable of taking care of everything myself all the time. And that is the very definition of needing help. So I want you to put that in your heart right now. You guys need help. Some of you more than others. Okay? I'm not looking at anyone specifically. But you guys need help. I mean, I'm just joking. Seriously, though. We are limited, and God is here to help us in our times of weakness and, and, and in danger. Another observation I make from these verses is that there's a lack of shame in the beginning. Right? When God first created things, there's Adam and Eve, and they were walking with God like friends in a park. There was nothing between them. There was nothing between Adam and Eve. They didn't have the need to hide themselves or to keep part of themselves away from the other person. And that all changed, as we read in chapter 3. When they sinned by eating the fruit of the knowledge of uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, there was a shift in the nature of relationships. At that point, all of a sudden, vulnerability came with shame. And no longer was it just filled with confidence and love, but it was filled with shame. And I think that is why sin is insidious, right? It's, it's kind of underlying. And it, what it does is it takes the good and it perverts it. It changes it. And it causes us to lose, truth, lose the truth that God has given us. Where Adam and Eve once walked with confidence before God, they now hid themselves in shame. And God never intended there to be that divide between him and his creation. And he never intended there to be a divide between people. And as we follow the first few chapters of Genesis, if you, if you kept reading, we're going to see that very quickly people descend into jealousy and murder and stealing and pride. And that happens because we decided as a people to trust our own ideas instead of trusting God, which is exactly what happened here in Genesis chapter 3, isn't it? Adam and Eve decided that their own way And what they thought to do was better than what God said to do. And a part of being vulnerable, truly being vulnerable, is putting God first. Putting your trust fully in him. Not relying on your own heart to guide you, but relying on his truth and guidance. That takes vulnerability to say, okay, I'm putting everything I am into your hands. 
that is kind of scary and, and takes vulnerability. And the last thing I want us to pay attention to is the word fear in Genesis 3.10. He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. When God called out, they felt fear, which I imagine was the first time they had ever been afraid of anything. And in the presence of fear, what is our natural reaction? It's either to run or to fight, right? Come out swinging or turn away and hide. And we know what Adam and Eve decided to do. And the tricky thing about fear is that it eats away at trust. It destroys the ability to be vulnerable in a safe way, and it destroys transparency. It begins to literally puncture holes in relationships. It destroys them, breaks them down. And fear is one of the main forces that drives us away from our Creator. It separates us. It's a wedge between us and God. But God offered a solution to that through His Son, Jesus. And Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, shows us that Jesus removed that fear and divide so that we can come to God. Let's go ahead and look at it. It's right here on the screen for you. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Because Jesus lived a sinful life and died and was resurrected, he now serves as this mediator between us and God. We no longer have to fear. We no longer have to hide. We no longer have to feel Shame. We can approach with confidence, knowing that we are going to find mercy, and importantly, we're going to find help when we need it. We're not going to find condemnation from our Creator. Jesus allows us a way forward into transparency and trust and confidence in relationship. Jesus offers us a safe way, a safe way to be vulnerable. And when we are vulnerable, when our hard hearts are softened by grace and love, I think we begin to really see life. We begin to really experience it and see what God created things to be. We begin to worship and experience lasting peace and joy. This is what I think God wanted us to be like in the beginning. This is what he wanted the world to be like in the beginning. And that's the experience that Adam and Eve first had. And now we get to taste that through faith in Jesus. Okay, so let's start wrapping things up here. We got pizza on the way. We got donuts on the way. We got fellowship and congregational meeting. So let's get to some life application. Number one, shame no longer rules your life. I'm not sure, but I bet you are just as, as ashamed and embarrassed about things in your past as I am. Okay? But that shame no longer has the power to rule over us. And if it does, if shame does rule over us, it shuts down our lives. We were talking about it a little bit in Sunday school this morning. Trina said that it kind of paralyzes you. And it's true. It can eat away at the value that you place on yourself, or at least the value that we see in ourselves. Our value can't actually be diminished because we're created in God's image. And shame causes you to distance yourself from others. Like I said, it's a wedge. Shame and fear are wedges, and they separate us. 
And if shame is left on the driver's seat of your life, it leads to fear. You're afraid of what people are going to think of you. You're afraid of reconciling who you really are. You're afraid of what you've done in your past. But God offers a new way. He offers a new type of relationship. God takes all that nasty, shameful stuff, and he put it on the back of his son. <laughs> it's like Sunday school has the exact same thing we're talking about here, really, at least in, in our class. That he, took, he took all that shame and guilt, and he put it on his son's shoulders. And that doesn't sound fair. And it's not. That's why it's a gift. It's not fair. But it does show us how much God and Jesus loved us. And now that Jesus has dealt with that, we are free. There's no longer that divide between us. We no longer have to hide. We can approach God with confidence. Number two, allow yourself to be vulnerable. And a large part of being vulnerable with God means taking steps of faith. It's actually kind of a work in process, something that you have to practice. And there are going to be times when you don't know what you're doing, and there are going to be times you don't know your next step, and you're going to not have any of the power you need to change your circumstances. And in those moments, it is ripe with opportunity to trust God. And when we become like children, when we put ourselves in the arms of God like a parent, we can flourish in that vulnerability and that trust. Last thing here is learn to accept help, not just from other people, but from God too. God created us for a lot of things. He created us to do some pretty amazing things. One thing he did not create us to do, though, was take care of everything by ourselves. All right, I just now thinking about Joe's experience where he was out in the middle of nowhere and his trailer broke, you know? Like, you had nothing to do. You couldn't fix it yourself. You had, you had to find help. And I think learning to take help is not a weakness, but it's wisdom. And godly wisdom is going to take you far in life. Like Joanna said, Joanne said, I think that the word vulnerability uh, makes us maybe a little uncomfortable. And I know it makes me uh, at least a little uncomfortable. But I think that a part of that uncomfortability is because the world takes advantage of the vulnerable. It hurts them. It belittles them. And maybe that's why we're afraid of it. Because we're afraid of being hurt. But with God, it is not that way. God is perfectly loving and kind and totally trustworthy. And he's not going to betray us. So we can put ourselves fully in his hands. And that's how he created us to be, to be fully reliant on him in relationship with him. So if you would, please pray with me this morning. God, our Father and Creator, thank you for sustaining us and giving us life. I just pray that we learn to rely on you more every single day. That we can be truly your people. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.